Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income, and I am really excited about today's episode because one of our top podcasts we've ever done was with Zach Quick, and he is going to be on the podcast today, and um, I called him up and said, hey, man, we got to have you back on because your your original podcast did so well. So this is going to be a great one. Um, I'm really excited about it. And before we jump into that, though, real quick, uh, of course, Connor, we've got to pay tribute to the sponsors. Sponsors to do. coming in hot. That's right. So, yeah, a huge thank you to uh, Store Local. That's right. Yeah. Store Local. Fantastic. So group. Store Local, uh, if you guys uh, don't know, is a co-op of self-storage owners. Um, we are founding members of self-storage, uh, of self-storage, I wish it was self-storage. <laughs> Founded self-storage, that'd be amazing. Uh, store local. Well, kind of, I mean, yeah. you almost <laughs> Just claim it, right? Yeah. It's the internet, Just, that works. Yeah. Uh, so the, the key thing that you need to realize about self-storage, and we talk about this a lot, and this has a lot to do with two of our sponsors, including Janus. Is this trend in technology and what's been changing? And it's the operation side of storage is so important that when you come together as a group, like Store Local provides, we get buying discounts. You get cap uh, knowledge capital, which is very important, as well as resources that um, allow you to play more like the big boys. And that's important in this competitive environment. So our other sponsor, um, who is Janus, uh, they have been a big player in the technology space, as we've talked a lot about with their Nokia product. Um, most people recognize them because of the metal, uh, the metal producers and their doors that they provide, the Janus doors. Uh, they also do the Nokia system. And we've talked a lot about the Nokia system because of how it's been integrating into our operations as well as our business as we've rolled it out, they've really kind of pioneered this. Um, and it's helping allow us to do more automation and offsite rentals, which allows us to have more market share. So, And that's for builds important. and existing yes. facilities as well. That's right. Uh, which is great. They're always, they're, they're innovating, coming out with new products, uh, which is good uh, because there's a lot of people that don't obviously want to have to tear down a ton of buildings or have to uh, build a new facility to be able to integrate the technology so they have options available to where uh, you can integrate their technology and, and utilize Nokia without having to build a facility. You can just integrate it, and uh, you're good to go. That's right. Yeah. All right, now we're on with the show, so without any further ado. How's it going, Zach? 
Good, good. Thanks for having me. And not to continue, not that you were asking me to, but I, I became a member of Store Local about two months ago, and I have been uh, nothing but pleased and have learned a lot. So that's uh, awesome, dude. Kudos to them. So, yeah. Did yeah. You, you work with Bruce over there? Uh, yes, Bruce a little bit, and then Deanie. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry well, you had so. to deal with Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Just get it. I love Bruce. <laughs> Bruce is my brother. <laughs> there you go. So no, it is. You're right. It's a a really good crew. Um, and there's something about an organization that is simply just in it to better the operations, right? Like, yep. It's store. It's it's owned by storage owners. It's <laughs> it's a true co op. It's uh, um, which gives you know gives us advantages. And you know, before we roll into this, for people that haven't heard your prior podcast, go back and listen to it. It's awesome. But why don't you kind of go in and talk to people about what you're currently doing in storage, how you got into it, what your portfolio looks like? Yeah. So um, today um, we're in seven facilities, uh, owner operator, I'm in self-storage full-time. Um, and all the facilities are in Missouri and Arkansas. Um, bought our first facility um, about... 27 months ago uh, now. So, um, and then prior to that, um, my wife and I kind of did the residential thing, uh, you know, small duplexes up to 112 unit and to where we had about just under 30 units and uh, kind of felt stuck and then pivoted into storage and have gone full speed since and, um, and have, have loved it and continued to plan to continue to go full speed. So uh, that kind of gets us to date. That's awesome. Now, yeah, that's really cool. Tell us about your – so how did you start out? Like talk about that first facility. Um, was that planned? Like, And what I mean by planned, I mean like some people stumble into self-storage, right? Like, that was kind of me. I kind of stumbled into it a long time ago because I was looking around. I needed to diversify. But other people actually make a like a plan. Like I am going into self-storage. I'm going to really – diversify and go all in on this asset class. Was that your plan? Uh, it was our plan to at least start with one. Um, and then, you know, assuming it went well, we were going to go further. So we had um, a 12-unit apartment complex that we basically rehabbed from the inside out. And our plan um, originally when we bought the 12-unit was get it fixed up and then sell and move into like a 24 unit or a 30 unit apartment, just something slightly larger. Um, but kind of felt stuck. I was on a vacation, um, and literally looked out my window, saw these bright blue doors. And that was like the first time that, uh, I'd ever even considered self storage. And so just started doing research. Um, honestly, probably for a good nine months, um, then started kind of building out, uh, I don't know, a database so to speak, of how I was going to direct uh, market to owners. And then uh, once we were getting ready to, to list that 12 unit, um, I, we started actually mailing um, and uh, that kind of started. So it was, it was intentional, um, but we didn't really, uh, I don't know, know exactly what we were doing. We just knew we wanted to try storage because we kind of felt stuck with the residential stuff. So, um, so yeah. And, mm -hmm. and how'd that first one go? I mean, what was it? Was it as expected or was it not? Uh, I don't know if as expected as it would be the way I put it, but it's gone better um, than maybe I even anticipated to date. So 
uh, we, we ended up, we sold that 12 unit. We t- did a 1031 exchange into that, uh, that first facility. And, um, basically it was, it was kind of everything you look for and that there wasn't really a website, uh, no operations. And then there was some room to expand too. So, uh, raised rates, we added 13,000 square feet, um, basically last fall, uh, that has since filled up. I wish I had more land. Um, and then we basically refinanced that property and, uh, have that one's been, uh, I guess if they could all go like that, I'd be, I'd be more than thrilled with it. So the, uh, first one was a good, good, really good one to cut our teeth on. So, uh, and hold it to date and don't have any intentions of selling it or anything like that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What differences did you see coming from, I know there's a lot of people that want to diversify or get out of multifamily or single family homes and go into storage. What differences did you see uh, jumping into storage versus that other asset class? Uh, For me, it was just a lot more levers to pull and a lot more of a business. Um, And you guys talk about that all the time, but um, the way, and I'm simplifying apartment investing, but especially at the scale I was at was honestly, you just get a tenant in there and then hope for the best that 12 months later, they resign and it's not trashed. Um, and so, uh, I wanted to be, to have faster levers, um, and to kind of get where I wanted to go faster. And I felt like storage presented those opportunities to do so. So, um, there's a lot more moving parts. Um, and I, and I liked that, uh, with storage as opposed to, uh, residential. And did, did you identify like the value add strategy for that coming from multifamily? Like you're talking about yeah. raising rates and everything we all do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think that, um, and I mean, obviously a fair amount of research kind of helped lead us there, but, um, you know, when, when the competitors just down the road aren't, are renting at a higher rate, um, obviously that should be something that signifies to you. And, um, you know, no website, no ability to rent online, which uh, has only gotten even more important in the last, you know, nine months or however long this has been. But, uh, but even two years ago, you, you know, you could just tell that was the direction that uh, the things were going or were already there. So, uh, so those were some of the levers. And then um, the demographics wor- worked, worked well for the facility. And then obviously the land of expansion uh, or about an acre, uh, that wasn't really developed at all that, um, we, I mean, we felt pretty confident that the demand was there that, that within a year or so that we could really try and, and add on to it. And that, that proved itself out. So, um, so a variety of all those factors really kind of helped us find the, uh, the value add. Okay. Nice. Now I want to talk to you about, you're kind of experiencing this and you're moving forward. I want to talk about, we talked a lot about the first facilities that you've done, especially in the last podcast. I want to talk to you about what you've done to build out more of a central system because it's different doing one property than seven. What are the changes that you've had to make and what are the changes that you're in the middle of making to grow? Yeah. Um, so probably last year, uh, this time when we did an interview, I was honestly, I was still taking calls for a few facilities, um, and kind of a one man band, so to speak. I mean, we, we'd have an onsite or, or, uh, oh, not an onsite, but, uh, boots on the ground, so to speak, someone nearby that if they needed to, um, check on a unit or overlock or anything like that. But, 
to where now I'm not, um, I'm really not customer interfacing at all. Um, I have a, a couple on sites that handle the majority of the calls and then they are handling uh, some of the, the satellite facilities. Uh, They're getting those calls as well. So, um, so, so, so trying to be as systems oriented as possible, um, thinking, trying to think like a franchise, so to speak. And uh, it, one of the things that even <laughs> I was working on this morning is um, trying to get, we're trying to get to where every site has literally the exact same keypad, um, the exact same controllers. And that sounds very simple. And it doesn't sound like something that would necessarily be um, necessary. And in some ways, it's not necessary. But um, when I think about, you know, training a new person, uh, that maybe this is what we do at every single site. This is how we get them integrated to software. Um, and these are, um, so that's a small example of kind of, of, of the things that, um, I'm going through personally, but even more so trying to elevate myself to get out of, um, uh, really even being involved at all in like the day-to-day portion. So there are a few techs chains that I'm on with like my manager and then the guy that's the boots on the ground that, uh, you know, so-and-so moved out. Um, and I don't need to know, you know, the X's and O's of that portion. So it's trying to pull myself out of, uh, that, which isn't always easy to be honest, especially when you like to control, uh, or see and make sure that the, those things are happening. But, uh, but putting putting things in place where you can follow up if needed. Um, so, um, so yeah. So it, it's been a uh, a lot's happened and a lot's changed in the last year, and all all positives and still trying to grow uh, within that. So that's awesome. Now you got seven facilities, but you didn't move too. So where are you in relationship to all of these facilities? Are they all right around you? Uh, no. Um, so. Yeah, and we about four or five months ago we moved from southeast Kansas to northwest Arkansas, which is really only about an hour and a half uh, from there. But uh, I have two facilities in northwest Arkansas, um, and they're. But I'm not. I'm. I'm at least a half hour truly from being on site at both of them. But um, and then I have uh, the rest are in Missouri and at least uh, two hour, two and a half hour drive. So. Um, and then I guess, depending on when this airs, I'm actually under contract to sell my smallest facility. Um, and I think I've identified, um, basically an exchange, uh, at a larger facility in Oklahoma city. So, and Oklahoma city is about three and a half hours away. So, uh, so again, I'm, I'm not, uh, limiting myself to, uh, a geography at this point. I mean, they're all within a day's drive, obviously, but, um, but yeah. Walk me through an onboarding. So let's say this one through Oklahoma goes through, okay? Mm-hmm. You get this facility, it's 20,000 square feet. Yeah, whatever. It's just 100 units. What does that look like? Like, it's, you know, I, like you catch a tiger by the tail. You got it. What do you do with it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this one's about 40,000 square feet, um, which still is, I, I don't know, kind of on the s- – lower side of what I'd be looking for now. But anyways, it, it, it knock on wood, all goes well. It should be a really good buy. But um, yeah, so right now what I'm working on is um, we've got 
all the bank financing approved. Um, and so we just ordered an appraisal yesterday. So I expect that process to start. Um, so right now I'm getting bids on um, basically upgrading all of the uh, camera systems, uh, the uh, gate operators, two new keypads, um, basically some putting new bollards up um, and uh, some metal work that basically they're some vehicles of just over and over deemed side of building. So, um, so kind of doing some project management on that so that ideally um, the day of close, I, I already have, um, you know, the gate company is there on site within 24 hours and they can hopefully get everything online. Um, working with gate, uh, working with management software to again, make sure that on, on the day we close, we can send out letters and say, here are the new owners. Here's the new lease. Um, here's, here's your login to your online password. Um, please call us to get, get you upgraded to automatic billing. So, uh, a lot. Um, but, um, at this point I've kind of have a team that also can help, uh, with that. And then when we close, it won't be just me there solo. I'll have a, have someone, um, and, and we're going to run this site remotely. It's not quite, the revenue is quite, not quite there to demand an on-site person. Um, but I'm going to bring one of my managers with me for a couple days and just kind of lay eyes on it. They'll be the ones that'll be answering the calls. Um, and then, uh, try and get it up and up and running so that it can run efficiently remotely. And then also identifying, uh, some nearby boots on the ground. I've got a, a few phone calls that I've placed and some potential people that I'm going to meet with before we close. But who, who do you look uh, for, for the boots on the ground? Like wh what are you looking for that? Uh, honestly, just someone and that is decent with a cell phone, um, that will respond to you and that has a, um, a good enough schedule that they can go by at least twice a week. Um, and that cell phone piece is something that I wasn't, um, I probably didn't emphasize enough when I was in the last, you know, year or two is because honestly, <clears throat> you want to be able them to send you pictures of stuff that you can kind of interpret what's going on. And if they're not, uh, if they're cell phone challenged, then it, it just makes everything that much harder. So as far as the kind of person, um, a, a landscaping company that that may be there to already cut your grass is kind of is kind of what I'd be looking for. Um, at this particular facility, there's an overhead door company that that's literally around the corner. So I've got calls in there. It may not be the owner, but if they have a, a reliable employee that wants to pick up a few extra bucks um, to do it, so um, kind of just nearby service based companies. Um, and honestly, I, I plan to also make a post on Bigger Pockets to see, like, hey, does anyone have any recommendations that that uh, a handyman that lives nearby, or maybe somebody that just wants to make a few extra bucks on Bigger Pockets for a job that's truly not that hard? Yeah. Um, you just need somebody to be consistent and show up when you ask them to. So, uh, a variety of things. It's awesome. Uh, you know that we did that as well when we were dealing with facilities that don't have managers because it's different. Right. Yep. So have you, how many of your facilities have a manager, Adam? Uh, three, if you count the one we're doing together. So, um, so yeah. Now explain to me, um, the facilities that have a manager versus don't have a manager. What are the pros and cons 
And what do you see as the difference in ways that you have to approach it? Because they're, they can be very different in managing style. Yeah. Um, I see this question asked sometimes and on like bigger pockets and things. And, and I think a lot of people are looking for like a certain like unit count or certain square footage. Um, and, and you could throw out generic figures. Um, but for me, it's more of a, it's a revenue answer, uh, than anything because I have a 50,000 square foot site. Um, but because it's boat and RV, it's only 145 units. Um, and if someone was on site 40 hours a week, I would be wasting money. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot more, um, logistics, frankly, that kind of has to happen if, if you're doing a, the boots on the ground and kind of a lot more back and forth communication, as opposed to, you know, if you've got an onsite manager that's rolling in at 9am every morning, like they're doing those automatic lock checks every single morning. Um, there's not, you're not, you don't feel the need to, um, hold their hand, so to speak on, on those things. Um, so, um, so those things are, are when it's a remote site, getting it nailed down on how, how often, how close does this person live and how often are they wanting to go by? Uh, because I, one, I have one where a guy literally lives like a quarter of a mile. He drives by it like three times a day. Um, so it's a, it's a, he'll just swing in and out like on his own, uh, just to keep an eye on it. Whereas there's another where it's more of a planned, um, you know, here's our empty list. Make sure that these are the ones that have, you know, a certain kind of lock on them, um, each time he goes through and it's like twice a week that they go through. So, uh, so again, it's a little more, um, uh, work, frankly, to have, um, not a non on site, but, um, it's not so much that it, that it's, um, not worth it. Uh, if that makes any sense for, for a good deal. So, yeah. Hmm. Now you mentioned that moving forward, you're focusing, I think on larger facilities. Um, why is that? Uh, really just economies of scale. I mean, take, uh, honestly, labor, uh, is really the only variable expense in a site that has 15,000 square feet versus site that has 60. Um, your, your management software more or less costs the same, your electricity. Sure. It's more at the bigger site, but it's not like four times more. Um, you're, uh, you know, if you're using a call center or something like that, again, it's not four times more. So literally labor is about the only thing that's, that, that has this wide variance, um, on that. And so, uh, so, you know, ideally if you can get a higher, um, higher rents at one site, um, that that's what makes the most sense. And so, uh, there's just a lot more scalability. Um, and again, like I said, it is easier to have an onsite person. Um, but, uh, but to me that all just backs into revenue and whether it makes sense to do it that way or not. For sure. Going back to your relationship with the, uh, individuals that you have going on and just checking at the facility every now and then, What's the employment relationship like and how do you manage them, train them, find them, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So they're not, um, they're not on a, on a payroll. They're not on my payroll, so to speak. So it's more of like a contractor, uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, a, a big portion of the training is if we can do it, like I'll try and meet them the first time, um, and, or, and, or my manager, um, at, at a different site, we'll meet them on site. But, uh, 
sometimes you're kind of thrust in the fire or you lose one and, and you, you're just calling and saying, Hey, here's what we look for. Um, and, and trying to be as detailed as possible, sending them a PDF of like your vacant list or, um, or even as simple of like, here's what's changed since the last visit you've been there. Um, like as long as you can kind of get on a routine of that, uh, that makes it, um, pretty easy. But honestly, as long as someone's responsive, um, you don't feel like you're pulling their hair out just to get them to go. Um, and if that's the case, just find somebody new. Um, because it's, again, it's not that hard. Um, on an hourly rate, I'm paying them pretty well. Um, so, and some of the trips may take 10 minutes. Um, so it's just a matter of, uh, trying to have consistent follow-up and making sure that they're coachable and teachable, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super important. Now you're, Okay, I want to talk to you about the deals. This is where it really comes it becomes interesting to me. There's something on the execution side of finding the deal. And what are you doing and what do you focus around to find deals? Yeah, um honestly just consistency. I um I have a list, a couple of Excel, Excel files of four to 500 facilities. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm slowly adding to it, but, uh, four to 500 facilities that either get a piece of mail from me, um, probably three times a year. And it more or less says the same thing. Uh, Hey, I'm, I own in this general, general area. Um, if you ever have any inclination to sell or, you know, of anybody in the area that wants to sell, please contact me. Um, that is more of a, like, I just want them to put it on their fridge or in a file cabinet. And so when the time comes, uh, that, that hopefully I'm on a short list or I am the list, uh, to call. Um, but then I also time block on my calendar every week, uh, to cold call, uh, owners. And sometimes they're not cold calls. They're owners that I've talked to before. And it's just building rapport with that, you know, once every six months, I just get on the phone and say, how are things? I'm not necessarily asking like, is now the time I just, I, again, building a rapport and hoping that when the time comes, I'm, I'm on the list to be considered. So, uh, those things are, um, those are the two primary things. I've sent a few emails to, uh, owners or what look like owners emails or site emails. Um, but, uh, being consistent with the mailing and consistent with the calls and the follow-up, um, are all of it. Uh, I don't, I don't think that there's, uh, again, you see people asking like, what specifically are you saying in the letter? And I, I think that's very minimal and in, in importance, as long as you're consistently putting it out there. Um, and making yourself seem like a human. And then when you're calling, you're not like hammering them over the head with yeah. what's your number. Tell me now I'll pay it. Um, because they're humans. Uh, this is, this is kind of their baby, so to speak. And, uh, it just doesn't work that way. So. Gotcha. No, all good points for sure. I love what you're saying on the consistency part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people expect this to be a quick thing all right, I've decided that I want to invest in this. So where is it? And results, right? They're compounded like anything else. And the more that you're just out there doing, 
the more that you see, the more opportunity you have, because a lot of this is a timing game, mm -hmm. but you got to put yourself in the right place. So when exactly. the time comes, it's there. If no one knows who you are, then why are you surprised that you don't get deals? It's, you know, yep. you need to be talking, shaking hands. You need to be knowing where people are. And then you don't want to end up being surprised. Um, and if you're not consistent about contacting them, then, you know, you're surprised because somebody else is, and yep. it, it's, this is such an important piece for people to get started that they don't understand why they can't find good deals. And when you say, well, where are you looking? And they say, you know, the MLS and you're like, well, it's not that you can't find good deals on the MLS. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, you know, what are you comparing a good deal to? Right. If you're comparing a good deal to ones that others found another way. So, you know, if you put a little forth, a little effort into it and do the things that others won't, the reward is exaggerated. And yep. you have a relationship with one somebody, you're not just a bag of money. So it goes both ways. You need to remember they're human. You also want them to remember you're human too. Yep. Um, uh, that transaction is so much different as opposed to it's on an MLS. It's a between a broker and them. You don't know who they are. You don't know anything. And their goal is to maximize and your goal is to minimize. And you're trying to batter and find common ground through there. Um, when you have a relationship that's made, it's just a different discussion. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I mean, I've got uh, a handful of sites that have just said, Hey, um, we're like four years out. Um, but, but like, please keep me, please keep following up. Um, and that's great. Like I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I tell them like, I have no reason to believe I won't be in the market to, to be interested in four years. So, um, so, so those are the, the kinds of conversations that, um, I'm looking for even again, obviously I'd, I'd love to buy more right now. Uh, yeah. but it doesn't always work that way. So, um, so yeah, again, just trying to build a connection. Um, and you're, and you're right that, that human touch makes a thousand percent different if you're off market versus on market. Um, I, uh, I mean, even one of the deals this year, I, one of the, one of the owners passed away and how I, I, I can't imagine how that would have or could have gone really poorly um, if some rapport hadn't been built with the other spouse, if it was a listed and again, maybe it'd have gone fine if it was listed, who knows, but, um, not at the price. So talk yeah. about that deal. That's a deal that, uh, we did together. Talk to him how you found <laughs> it and, um, where you would, cause it was an amazing deal. Yeah. So, um, so honestly, this one, <laughs> uh, somewhat is counterintuitive to what everything we just talked about, because we, I only talked with them like one time. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it works, right? Sometimes you get does. lucky. It does. But, and I will say like, you have to be able to talk the talk. Um, yes. You had a lot of practice. That, <laughs> that one time. Yes. Um, and so, uh, but again, like went up there, built rapport. Um, and again, this isn't uh, fake rapport. Like yes. I liked them as, as people. I felt like yes. they liked me as people. Um, it has to be we, sincere. You yes, don't want to. We had it. this. Yep. We had this one really small common thread that neither of us realized once we got there, um, that kind of, um, I don't know, for lack of better words, 
united us a little bit more. Um, they, they said that their pri- what their price was, did a lot of research um, and underwriting and, and felt like that price worked. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so it literally was one of, the, one of those times I sent an email. Um, I had sent them a letter uh, previous to that. I made a phone call, but the phone call didn't connect. They, I mean, we just didn't, I didn't, wasn't able to talk with them. Uh, and then the email, they called me the next morning. I went up that weekend. We pretty much shook hands then. And then, um, kind kind of formalized a contract not long after that. But, uh, and again, it, it ended up being right before COVID. Um, so we, I met them in February. We've officially inked the contract in probably, I don't know, March week one or two. I, it, somewhere around when COVID started becoming a, a thing. Uh, and then, um, you know, we did, we had a really long contract period, which ended up being a blessing in a way. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so found that deal. Um, I had just closed two deals in January. So I knew that, um, in some way, shape or form that I would, I would be able to get it done, but you and I had kind of built a relationship and then ended up being a good, uh, a good partnership to work out, uh, for both of us. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know this how specific you want to do really on that This is a important thing though, that I want to talk about too. You didn't really know how you were going to get the deal done. Yep. And I like to tell people that if you have a deal, you can get the deal done, but if you don't mm-hmm. have a deal, then yeah, money's a problem. <laughs> it's like, sure. you know what I mean? Right. It's like, uh, you know, it's so it, it's, the the idea though is you had been you had been honing your skills you'd been calling people you'd underwritten so when this really big deal came first of all you could get the deal under contract second of all you had enough knowledge where you could underwrite the deal and you knew the value was there mm-hmm. so you were like yeah this is this is a deal we can get this deal done right right and um this I, I guess I it, it comes back to this idea that it's consistency. Right. And then it and it takes time. And those results are uh, exponential. Right. Like that deal was a lot bigger deal than the previous Mm -hmm. deals you had done before. And that's how it grows. That's how it keeps growing, because that's obviously how it was with me and with others. Um, The idea of just seeing a good deal or you like, where's a good deal? I, I, I don't see a good deal. Right. You don't find them. You create them. And uh, you have to do that from understanding, through knowledge, through practice. And then you just, you really, it's discovering it. It's like, oh, it's not like somebody just comes up to you and says, hey, I got this great storage deal for you. (laughs) For some reason, you're the only one I wanted to bring it to. And, you know, you've never done this, but here you go. (laughs) Right? Like, that's just not how it works. And so you got to get out there and you got to do the work. And you got to learn and you got to figure it out and you got to put forth the effort. Now, if you're doing the legwork, though, like you were talking about, and somebody gives you a good deal, even if you don't know it is, you can find somebody else to figure out, is this a good deal or not? I built the relationship, right? There's steps you can go through. There's things that you can do to make sure that you're putting yourself in the right position to take advantage of those things, whether you have the money, whether you have the knowledge, right? You're doing the work. Yep. And I would, I would add to that too. Um, like you said, like I was going to figure it out one way or the other. Um, and you have to be willing to make sure you don't get in your own way too. Um, I, any time in there, I could have said, well, I don't know, that's a little bigger than I've 
done. I'm probably not ready yet. Um, eh. or, 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 or let the numbers lie to me. Um, just said like, well, that's an okay deal or, you, you know, trick, trick myself into thinking it wasn't. So, um, I love that. Get in your, get in your own way. We yeah, do that yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and we, and, and I still do it. Um, uh-huh. we all do it. All do. Um, so, uh, so making sure that you're honest with yourself, um, on, on what you're capable of or what, or, or even, um, what it could be. So, uh, so yes. So all of those things, you just have to, uh, I don't, again, it's hard work of, of, of getting to that point and then having the confidence or optimism or however faith, however you want to put it, uh, that, that what's brought you there, um, is, is intentional and, and that, that you're doing the right things to get to that point. No, that couldn't be more well said. That's, you know, a lot of people forget about these integral parts of it. And it, it is, I, I like to talk, you know, the economy investing stuff as much as we'd like it one dimensional, like this equals that it's not. There's a lot of things that go into play, just like even yourself getting in your own way. Like, I don't, I'm not that guy. I can't be doing a deal this big or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I do like to think that, you know, in business and investing, you're, you you kind of got to be a yes man. Like, yeah, I'll look at that. Yeah, I'll do right. it. Right? Um, well, because what do you have to lose, you know? That's, that's yeah, really exactly. the question. It's like... Nothing. Yeah. You know, like if it's not, do if it. it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. It, it'll right. show up, but you need to be willing to go down those roads. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I got to look at, I don't know how many deals a week of which 99999% will never do. Right. But right. I get that phone call. You interested in this? I am. And I'll right. tell you when we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. No longer makes sense. We're no longer interested in it. But we walk down those roads, yep. Because that's how you're going to discover, right? Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could. Uh, I mean, in my ideal world, I could find like a cluster of properties here, a cluster here, and a cluster here to make it a lot easier to manage. Uh, right. <laughs> but but the, but <laughs> I, that's not going to happen. Uh, I mean. I guess it could if I literally decided to build three or four in this market, three or four in this market. But that's not there a very uh, that's not a very honestly probably not a very wise thing to pre-plan on. So uh, so yes, you have to you just have to be willing to yeah say yes and get out of your own way. So and, for sure. And, and two, this idea that yeah, like people expect the economy, the they expect and you know, the world to work around them. Like you said, Mm -hmm. well, I want them all right here or I want them all right there. Right. And I'm always, and people are like, well, I really want my investment property in my backyard. And I'm like, well, nobody really cares what you want. So (laughs) like, you just got to get over that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying no to everything the universe is presenting to you. Well, there's a deal. It's two miles, you know, two hours away. I'm sorry. That's that's not in my realm. <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. I'm yeah. doing it in my backyard. And then yeah. you come up with the excuse that there's no deals, so it's not my fault. I'm not being successful, right? right. And it's like, listen, you got to go where demand is. You got to go where opportunity is, and you got to be willing to walk down that road. And you got to do what it takes 
to get it. And you yep. can't just sit back and be inactive. And yeah, that at the end of the day, that's hoping and dreaming, which is what I think the vast majority of people do. Um, probably close to 90% of my time yields very little fruit. It just does, right? I'm doing what either seems like not monotonous, but I'm like, oh, that didn't, nothing happened because of that. Nothing happened because of that. But then because of that 90%, mm-hmm. 10% is really good and it yields huge fruit, huge relationships, huge leaps that you take. Right. But so many people aren't willing to do the 90% that they don't see that direct. Maybe we're trained in it, but it's just, we're just not willing to do that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, no one, the sharpening of the ax is that 90% or however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and half, I mean, anyone that's in entrepreneurship in any way, shape or form, like you have those days. Uh, I mean, and I know I have them where you're like, this sucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> why am I, why am I even working on this? Uh, yeah. like, uh, but it, it, uh, I don't know, you know, those days when you just feel like you're slamming your head against the wall, um, and nothing, nothing's happening. But, uh, then you have the days where, you get a phone call from a seller or you call someone and they're like, well, well, yeah, uh, here's, here's what I would consider. And here's why I'm selling. And you're like, "Hmm, well, good thing. I, good thing. I picked up the phone today or good thing I tried. Um, because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it's, it's, and there's never like this true, uh, I was talking to my wife about this. Like there's never this true, like finish line, uh, that you kind (laughs) of hope to, to get to, because all it is, is there's a new finish line right after that. Uh, so, Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, um, it, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about that and this idea that, you know, first of all, you're sharpening your ax because when that opportunity comes, but we don't leave, we don't see it. Like, you know, and I tell people this a lot, like the, I think probably most of the deals we've ever done, I didn't know where I was doing it two weeks before Mm -hmm. I get a call and it's like, yeah. And all of a sudden a week later, oh yeah, this is good. And then a week later, we're under contract. And that may have taken months to get to that point. Although I had no idea where I was going. The management management team here loves that. It's just like, hey, guys, I've got another deal. They're like, okay. (laughs) They're like, wait, what? What? Another deal? Where is this? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I just got the phone. It's good. Yeah, Yeah, we're (laughs) good. Right. Uh, Well, and and that, I've been through it, uh, and I try not to put myself through it anymore, but the one where like you met them on site, you've had a great meeting. Um, you know, they, they have a rough estimate of the price that they want and that's within your ballpark. You make an offer and then they're like, eh, never mind. Uh, so yeah. you, you know, you're yeah. ready to do it. You think you're ready. You're like, this um, is it. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. And then it doesn't. So, it doesn't. um, I mean, that, Which that happens, happens a lot. Yeah, it does. A it lot. does. Um, and, uh, again, so it, it is a roller coaster at times, but, uh, you just have to, um, I don't know. Embrace it's about it. the, and it's about the trajectory, right? Because, and I like, I like to tell people is all that work. If you got one deal, just one deal. So mm-hmm. if I knew I have no guarantee whatsoever in any time frame, amount, location, or what that a deal is going to present itself. But I do have a guarantee that if I do the work, a, uh, a deal will present itself. And that's how I look at it. I know if I do, mm-hmm. it'll end up happening. I have no idea 
time frame. I don't know the location. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. I don't know any of those things. Um, so that could be doing a lot of waiting. Well, not sitting around waiting. That could be doing a lot of work that leads to just tons of dead ends. Sure. Um, but once again, it's this idea that as long as you just keep going, you know you're doing the right things, you're cultivating the ground to grow opportunity. Mm-hmm. It'll eventually happen. It's and if trusting that process, trusting the process, and that if mm-hmm. I can get one deal, it is worth it all. And yep. I'd say for most people, they'd say yes if they looked at the what that meant, that deal. So you're going to get X amount of passive income. You're going to get X amount of wealth. And they'd say, oh, yeah, if I if you had to wait two years to get that, would you do it? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? And they say, "Okay, but in order to do that, you have to you have to do these things all the time. Oh, no, no problem. It's guaranteed right here. Here's the contract. And they do it. They do those things every single day. As long as they had a guaranteed contract sitting in front of them that they would get it, they would do it. But. We're getting without, in our own way. We, exactly. Without <laughs> having it right there. Yeah. And you go, but it yeah. will happen. It is that yeah. faith acts aspect that I think, you know, you kind of got to have. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Going back, no, I, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask, going back to the the outreach to owners. One, how do you find the owner's information? And then two, how do you manage? I know you said you use an Excel sheet, but I was curious if you use any other kind of software or anything like that uh, or, uh, to to manage that outreach like a yeah, CRM yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, no, I, it's old fashioned Excel. I need to, uh, I've been, that's one of my to do things, uh, is to figure out a CRM that, that works well with it. But right now it's old fashioned Excel. And then, uh, literally the last column is like, when's my last touch point? Uh, what was said the last time we talked, um, all of those things, but, uh, but building the list. Um, and again, I, this was very time consuming, but this is what worked for me. And I kind of wanted to, uh, do it this way essentially is, uh, a lot of time on Google earth overhead, um, and then County records. Um, so looking up who owns this address, if it's an LLC, then go to the state, uh, secretary of state website and then try and figure it out from there. Um, and again, that's not a, um, I know you can go buy lists. Um, I've bought a small list before and had, it would, I basically had to redo it. So, um, so I, 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 and I, I know that, that there's probably ways that you can, uh, short change that. But, uh, for me, that was the best way possible. And honestly, it's done me, done me a lot of favors because, uh, if I do get a call or I'm calling, like I'm honestly already familiar, um, with at least an overhead shot at the facility where it's at in town, mm-hmm. um, what's nearby it. Um, and, and that's assuming I've never been by the facility itself, but, um, but so, yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah. I, um, you, a lot of that work, that hard work, because that's when, you know, when I got started in the early 2000s, there wasn't, that stuff didn't exist, right? It, we didn't have Google Earth. It was literally driving. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, You're so, dating yourself here, AJ. Yeah. I know. Seriously. <laughs> Phone books. Yellow, yellow pages. Yeah. yeah. Yellow pages. Exactly. Cause that's where ev- all the facilities a- advertise. Um, yeah. And, uh, which is, hilarious another topic but you know when you look at uh the resources too that we have now it's never been easier it really hasn't it's never been easier to get it now with that said competition has never been higher but the 
point being is a lot of the ways that you're talking about, for me, I've actually found yields higher resorts, uh, uh, results because you're not getting what everybody else is getting. Mm-hmm. Right? You're getting yep. the properties that aren't listed on the big, you know, CRMs. And uh, right. they're not on the, you know, other programs that everyone has access to as long as you pay. Um, yep. So you're going and contacting people that aren't getting pressure which is going to increase your odds of closing the deal. And you are familiar. You understand those markets. And the better you understand the markets, the better you can make a deal. We had the same thing. We were talking to an owner, right? And um, we knew the the area, we knew the market, and we were talking to him. And we said, hey, you know, we just want to let you know, if you're ever willing to sell, you know, we're here. We're right down the road. We're here. He's like, yeah, you know, I think I might be able to sell. And we're like, oh, okay. Mm, you know, if you were going to sell, what'd you do? He said, I'll make it. I'll sell for $4 million. And we said, okay. Reached across the table, shook hands, and we bought it. And right. those are conversations and deals that a national big player or somebody that wasn't familiar, it's not how it would go down. Right. They would call them up and say, here's our checklist, and I'll get back to you in three weeks. We're going to ask an ungodly amount of questions because we don't know. We have no idea your market or anything else like that. And then we will put together a contract with terms, things like that, which I'm not saying that is necessarily bad. But what I am saying is we had a total advantage. We agreed upon the deal in concept and that we were doing it together. We shook hands. We had a gentleman's agreement. From there, we worked out the details. And we could always have looked at it afterwards and been like, listen, this doesn't meet our criteria and stuff. We can't. But we said, hey, on your price, if it meets our stuff, we'll buy it. And we got to go through with the deal, right? The contract, all that stuff, we can work out that that later. Um, That made it comfortable for him. It made it easy for him. He knew what he wanted. He didn't need to have to go and argue over all these things. And we knew by talking to him. He knew what he wanted. Well, if we can give it to you, great. If not, we walk walk apart, no, no harm, no foul, right? So why not? Um, he didn't want to work with brokers uh, for a, few, well, a lot of reasons, which Perfect. there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, but that's just something that we we knocked. We knocked on his door. We literally just walked in and we're talking to him. Um, we bought multiple facilities like that. And that has given us a lot of advantage in the marketplace. And I think so many expect to open up their laptop and find deals. In fact, I, I know they email me and say, hey, where what website do you go to find deals? And I'm like, I don't. So, you know, I love the idea of you going, though, and finding these owners. You have this database and you have this list. Now, when you're out buying these facilities, how many times, like, what are the things that you should think would be red flags? So I, I know we're going long here, but I kind of want to end here on like, what are the things we've talked about, you know, how you're finding deals. We talk about your mindset. We talked about where you're going, how you're managing them, right? All those things. When you're looking at deals, though, for someone that's not in storage, they're like, I want to I want to know here now, I'm going to do this, Zach. I'm following your lead. I'm going out. I'm going to hunt and everything. What are things that I should just know to not waste my time with? So let's try to shorten up their learning curve. When they're out looking at deals, what are red flags? Yeah, I think um, in probably in short form, probably if it if it seems shined up in any way, shape, or form, 
usually, so if they have a nice website, um, where you can rent online, um, if, uh, you know, ratings are decent, if they have, if it seems just like they're operating decently, um, typically, uh, that's not, that's not a deal. Um, and if it, if it looks like, um, you know, uh, a, a larger polished facility, typically that's not a deal. So that would probably be the first sniff test, so to speak. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, in, in short form, that would probably be the biggest thing is, is how well are they maintaining the physical of the property? How well is their digital presence doing? Um, do they answer the phone? Um, if let's say you're, you're, you're shopping them as a, as a potential customer, uh, do they answer the phone? Do they try and sell you well? Or is it like, you know, join the back of the list? We've got a waiting list a mile long. Um, you know, the answers on how they do those two things typically, uh, in my experience kind of show, uh, whether there's something that maybe you can sink your teeth into or odds are they're not. I mean, everybody knows that storage is hot right now. Um, but, uh, that being said, like just because storage is hot, doesn't mean that you can get whatever you want for a facility. Um, but if you're optimized, well, then you might be able to get uh, a top price for it. But if you're not, then you know, you can't. Um, so, um, so yeah, that would, that would probably be my answer. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's, that's a really good know, way to put it. Yeah. Like, if you can't do it better, then it's yeah, not a good deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. runway's already ran out. Right. Yeah. No spread. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah, I just assume that you can't. Yeah, if you're going through your projections and whatnot, um, that's usually how the first round of it starts. If I if I run it exactly the same way they are, um, does that number make sense? Um, and then, how reasonably sure am I that I can? even run it better. Maybe I can't. Um, but, uh, but if they're not doing certain things, then I'm pretty confident that I can run it better. So I love that. I love that, man. Well, dude, we've taken a lot of your time. We appreciate it. But before we jump off here, where can people get a hold of you when they want to reach out to you? They want to ask you questions or anything else like that. Where should, where should people go? No, thanks. Thanks again for having me. I, I love doing it and um, have enjoyed getting to know both of you guys over the last year or so here. Yeah. So, yeah, right back uh, at you. Yeah, Zach Quick. Uh, I, I kind of have a semi unique name. So, LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets, um, or you can email me at Zach at ZachQuick.com, Z A C H. Um, so, yeah, thanks again, guys. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, bet, man. man. And we'll talk soon. <laughs> we always <Sounds> do. <laughs> See you, man.